still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans for the fans, plugging the brilliant boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and I'm joined as ever by my good friends and fellow Bath fans, Tom, but more importantly, with another win under our belt, Charlie joins us again and he's turned it around in spectacular fashion. Charlie, how are you? You are welcome. You are welcome. I am. I am. <laughs> I am bringing home the bacon for everyone in blue, black, and white at the moment. Uh, yeah, Stuart Hooper, step aside. Just <laughs> put me in the put me in the DOR slot, and uh, this this will keep happening. And Tom, I think you've just that post Charlie. I reckon you know we're clearly in need of uh, one of those. So I think that's got to be the post uh, with your name on it. <laughs> yeah, all all, uh, uh, all six foot four of me uh, when I when I stand on the books. <laughs> And Tom, I think you've just watched the full game back, obviously the Northampton Saints victory 22-23 back. Um, so you're kind of reliving that uh, incredible feeling that we all relived on or, or lived the first time on, on Sunday. A fantastic win and an extremely tense but rewarding last 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah, I think in general as well, it was, it was just a really great game of rugby with, you know, ebbed and flowed, two pretty evenly matched sides, and, you know, last week, obviously, um, you know, cards galore in the in the Premiership and then, you know, just refereeing decisions again to talk about in the Six Nations. And it was just nice to watch a game of rugby with no yellow cards, no red cards, just two good sides. Um, and, yeah, as you say, um, even better just to just to shave the win um, and some, some brilliant moments, um, particularly in that second half, G. Yeah, I think certainly brilliant. Uh, looking back on it I think if Lewis Ludlam doesn't kind of fumble that ball over the line or Matt Proctor kind of squeezes the ball past Ben Spencer's foot we're maybe not seeing it as a as a fantastic game of rugby you know a real game of, of fine margins Charlie and, and Bath I think to come back from 19 points to three down to win 22-23 you know 19-3 down after about 28 minutes to only concede three more points it was a fantastic kind of turnaround um, yeah and a roller coaster of emotions on Sunday complete roller coaster of emotions like a com- like a complete game of two halves like you put that like you 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 show someone either half of those games and you know, just remove the time and you think one of those teams is absolutely is is running away with it and it's 40 points to 5 or something like that but the like it, it was it was it was a game of small margins as you say Gabriel and the amount of times we've been sat here like on this podcast or just as Bath fans being nineteen points to three up mm. you know sixteen seventeen point lead and just to blow it somehow I mean it's so nice to have the revo- the roles reversed I mean we say so many times on this podcast you Gabriel it's the way we finish off every podcast through thick and thin mm. and that was one of those really thick enjoyable mm. moments winning that game just punching the air but you know just oh, I, I was I was over the moon I think if the thick and thin was like a kind of dial or a pendulum I think this season the pendulum has swung left to right probably about as many times as as um, as, as we've seen but you're absolutely right you know how many times have we been completely disconsolate on this podcast because we've thrown it away in the last couple of minutes and we've just been on the, the losing side you know, look at the last, really the last three games now, you know, if you're the opposition side there, you probably can go away feeling a little bit aggrieved, um, particularly Gloucester, I think, and, and potentially Saints. So, you know, I think it's something we said last week, there are such fine margins in sport. It's such a knife edge. Um, and the difference in emotions by players and supporters is so different depending on which side of that knife edge that you end up on. Yeah, I, exactly. And I think what I found so impressive was the fact that we re, like we did not play very well in that first half, and they 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 arguably should have been a bit further ahead. Uh, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. And that moment just before half time was just hugely influential. Mm. But it, I mean, it, it's one thing like not being able to take your opportunities in the first half, for example, and thinking you're a bit behind on the scoreboard. But at least we you know we're playing well, and like it will come. The ability for us just to completely turn the way that we were playing and pulled together and just we, we seem to correct things at uh, half time I'm sure we'll discuss the reasons for that what they were in a, in a moment but 
that's what I found so impressive is that that like, that grit to dig deep and we we I mean we actually solved some problems on the fly which like which so many teams aren't able to do even you know the top international teams England for one um, but look I, I was just delighted with it I mean I'm not sure you where you want to start or Gabriel if you mm. have something else to add well no I just think you're right like it's so great to talk about a game of rugby you mentioned England there where you know and we promise we're not going to spend a minute this would be the only rugby podcast you listen to this week where we're not going to spend a minute talking about referees or communication or lack of leadership we're going to talk about for an hour about Bath Rugby's fantastic win and people you know people that I I live with or my friends who aren't really kind of big rugby fans and I sit there through 80 minutes of us getting battered against Bristol and I'm and I'm feeling pretty down dumps afterwards and they're like why why on earth do you put yourself through that like you're just at the end of the day kind of cheering for laundry and it's just these moments where these moments are all the more sweeter because you've been through the the dire Bristol game or the Harlequins game when I'd hit the level the level seven of, of grief and acceptance and, and it's because of moments like that on Sunday where you kind of punch your fist at the end and you go yes and you see the boys enjoying it afterwards and it was such a great feeling and yeah um a, a, a strange weekend of rugby for sure and, and plenty of of not so um of not so well the game maybe not looking itself in the best light um with with treatment of referees treatment of people within the game but this was 80 minutes as you said tom a brilliant rugby uh and for bath to come out on the end of it was was just fab- fabulous fabulous i don't want to swear but it was very good <laughs> <laughs> and I really really enjoyed it so um I did well, really mate, I was gonna say, the first comment the first one I was do you, you have friends who aren't interested in rugby <laughs> where do you where do you find them um and also yeah I think on your point like, I was absolutely elated I've just watched the whole game back as you said and I was I was buzzing watching it again so those who say that the you know the premiership is meaningless and that results don't matter to players or fans now that relegation is scrapped um, I think can look at the reaction of some of those players and some supporters on on you know social media and um, and 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 you know um, understand that it means so much to to everyone involved. Mm. And a little glimpse into our into our uh, our chat group, Tom. At the end of the game, I think you texted us saying you would marry Tom Dunn if you could. Um, so I know that Tom Dunn sometimes listens <laughs> to the podcast, and I think his mum is a listener. So I don't know. This is a kind of like a formal uh, proposal, I guess, from Tom to to Tom Dunn. But yeah, a fantastic win, and, and Dunny at the centre of it. We will get to the end of that game, um, and I don't want to spend too much time on the first half, or, or particularly the first half an hour, guys. Um, but we should probably focus on it a little bit, Tom. Uh, kind of where was it going so spectacularly wrong? 19-3 down after, I think it was like 28 minutes. Um, yeah. and, and I think as you alluded to, Charlie, it could have been even worse than that. Yeah, I thought, I, I, I mentioned to go before, I thought what we could do is maybe just talk about a few themes in that first half rather than go through it um, in, in chronological order. And I, I jotted down a few things when I was watching the game just now. And I think it's kind of as we said after the after the sale victory, there were some things that were working really well, and some players that were that were playing really really well and, and were really effective. But then there were also some things on the other side of the coin that were really poor and were just not allowing us to to get in the game, and were allowing uh, Saints to score those um, really quite straightforward three tries that that they do in the in the first half. And I'll, I'll kind of tee them up and then maybe get your guys guys thoughts on them. The first thing I was going to mention, I think maybe the most obvious thing, was just first up tackles. Mm. I think, you know, we were losing, you, you put a message on our, our chat, Charlie, we were just losing every collision in that first half. We looked really easy to penetrate. Um, uh, guys like Proctor, who are strong runners, were just um, looking like men against boys, really, in the way that they were getting through the, through the line. And also, I think collectively, we looked quite weak. There were a lot of times, as we said before, where we would be caught narrow. And so we'd have to turn and corner flag and we've got our backs to the Northampton attackers, which just means that you lose all line speed and you're just conceding 20 or 30 yards at a time. Um, and before you know it, um, you know, you're back on your line and having to kind of batten down the hatches. And just to, just to put some context on that, in the first half, we missed, four, we missed 14 tackles and we made 46 tackles, um, which is pretty pretty horrendous stat. So... Um, I don't know if you that was that was something that you guys picked up and kind of what you thought the you know who the culprits were and what you thought some of the issues were there. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I I flagged it up when I was watching that first half, just sort of getting to the point where uh, I was reaching for the hard liquor. But um, <laughs> uh, it was the fact that every single collision, every single collision was just, uh, it, it was dominant for Northampton. They were getting over the gain line far too easily and, and, and you know, 95% of the time. Um, and it just meant that we we were getting sucked in, and we were drawing every single uh, every single defender was getting sucked in, and then it just seemed that there was acres and acres of space out wide, which is why like the likes of Matt Proctor looked so good uh, mm. on Sunday because he had so much space and and, and you know, time to, to to run with the ball. But I mean, <sighs> I mean to, to point out who's at fault, I, I really wasn't impressed with the starting front row and uh, and. I mean, yeah, it's tough to say, but I think the decision to take them off after 45, 50 minutes, whenever it was, was it, it, it couldn't have come soon enough. And I think I I would probably would have done it like almost on the stroke of half time. There's part of me that I was sort of thinking, you you don't have to worry so much about um, making an early substitution in, in the front row because of the, the front row situation. If there's an injury, you can bring... You can bring a front rower back on, and that's sort of unique in that position. So I almost thought look, there's there's nothing. These boys, I mean, Tom Dunn sat on the bench. He's played 80 minutes, kind of back to back to back for for Bath for, for years now. Like it's it's not exactly like fitness is uh, is a problem of his. Mm. So I was thinking just just get him on. Like the scrum isn't working. Like the line out was a bit sloppy and messy. Like uh, so I, I didn't think Jack Walker had a fantastic day. Um, but we see Italy doing it in the, in the Six Nations. I think they start with what they would consider as being their second choice uh, props, definitely props. I, I think Hooker as well. And then on on like thirty minutes, they take them off. So effectively, the 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 set of the set the, well, the first choice but the ones that are wearing 17 and 18 play the majority of the game and also what the Italy coach Franco Smith considers to be the most important part of the game so I think it is definitely yeah the loophole that they've tried to exploit and and I think that that on this occasion maybe at half time I, I agree I think we were being bullied we were just being bullied and, and that was not just kind of the physical physicality on the game line but it was a physicality at the set piece in every department our pack was just being thrown around by by their pack and I think that was a huge part as you both have alluded to as to why we were we were struggling so much and and you're right Charlie I think the guys on the field but their ideas up a lot in that in that kind of final 50 minutes but you're right the substitutions of um of those front three guys uh, and we'll talk about Tom Dunn well we've already mentioned him but we'll we'll, we'll rave about him and, and and kind of him giving us my favorite moment of the season later on but yeah those guys were were so important Tom and um I think not just the, the physicality which was lacking but but kind of I think comes with that and particularly it's, uh, the scrum is it's still discipline and, and we conceded I think five penalties in the first 18 minutes and and you're not going to win games of rugby if you concede 20 penalties in a game so clearly if you're going at that rate you're not going to be be doing very well so yeah I think we're being bullied uh, and that kind of brought with it both um, set piece dominance for, for Northampton Saints territory dominance through our penalties and also it just allowed them to get offloads away but almost every uh, any opportunity because they were breaking that first tackle or at least getting their hands free on so many occasions they could offload and just flood those channels and yeah we it looked really ominous like it really didn't look like it was going to turn around yeah there's a lot of different points you've covered there um, so I guess to take them in turn so the, the, the first the first thing so um, on, on some of the tackles, I think, uh, as you say, it allowed them to get in behind the line and get their offloads off. I think well, the other thing I would just say before we move on to that piece is that um, there were a couple of system errors. Um, the first try, for example, so Will Muir, who's obviously very new in that position, getting sucked into the mall and then just an easy overlap um, uh, to, for, for, the, for their scrum half uh, to, to score. And a couple of other issues. Yeah, sorry, sorry, just quickly. Just sorry, Tom, just quickly on that. Yeah. I mean that that because yeah it, it was a complete system error but it, it it's I I I was like what what is going on there because Jack Walker was stood just next to the the mall you think you're a front row you're like one of the you're supposed to be one of the heaviest blokes on the on the pitch like get get your head in there and like it, it did seem like someone needed to get their head in there and Will Moore suddenly like just you know get stuck in 
and then they suddenly swap, but it's 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 too late. And I just, I I don't know. I, it was a I, yeah. That was one moment where I was I was I, I was just a bit surprised. There was a couple of moments with Jack Walker where I, I just saw him just just standing looking at a ruck or standing looking at them all rather than getting in. But I teased it a couple yeah. of weeks ago. But um, Charlie's true thoughts about Jack Walker are just starting to to kind of seep through. I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Like um, it, it was strange that that first try. Go on, Tom. I think it's very, yeah, it's, it's very difficult to be compared with greatness. Um, <laughs> Jack Walker, in, in that respect, has got a, a very difficult job. Yeah, that is true. That is true. That is true. Uh, but, but um, yeah, I, I think so. That, that was the only point on on um, on defence. I think that's an issue of communication to some degree, like Muir being relatively new inside. I think the other place that we saw that was in the kind of the way the back three was working. So quite often a high ball would go up and you didn't know if, if Schumann was going to take it at fullback or Rocket Aguni was. I think we at times just looked, looked a little bit kind of disjointed, which, which um, when you couple that with kind of missing the first up collisions just means that you're, you're, you're so porous. Um, and secondly, on the, on the scrums. So yeah, we got, we're on the, on the end of an absolute pounding um, for, for that first half. I mean, you don't often see, in fact, the probably the you know the, the the most recent time I've seen that one side of the scrum was actually Bath against Northampton um, at the rec, and we marched them back repeatedly, um, and all Paul Hill and Aaron Painter were all getting yellow cards. So um, you know why that's turned around so much is maybe a conversation for the other day. But in those conditions, when you've got a really nice surface, you can get traction, um, and it's a completely dry day. Um, it really kind of almost exaggerates any dominance that you have. And the issue with playing potentially a weaker scrummager um, in 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 Duran Schumann, you know, the Italian tactic that you mentioned, G, is that if you are getting dominated that much, you can lose the you look at the World Cup final, you can pretty much lose the game by half time because they're just winning penalty after penalty. Um, that means every time you drop the ball as well, you, you yeah. you're thinking, right. I mean, it just any simple handling error, which I mean, I, I might get onto that in a moment, but uh, I mean, any simple handling error results in you being forty meters back down into your own half. And what and what um, what the as well as a kind of thing you often see with scrums is a referee will get a narrative in his mind, and then as soon as the the scrum pops up, it will penalty will go against the team that was previously going backwards, and that's something that we saw like happen quite a few times. You know, fifty fifty calls going. Um, against Bath and that was something that Tom Dunn did incredibly well when he came on that first scrum back on the five metre line came on and immediately he's talking to Ian Tempest he's making sure that you know they're on the mark just little things I think to try and change the picture that was in um, Ian Tempest's minds because as you say it can become a self-fulfilling prophecy and then you know whenever you get the drop that you drop the ball you're suddenly pinned back with with the opposition um, you know, do you think, Tom? Then, if that's the case, it's almost worth just bringing on a new set of of, of front rowers just to kind of change that 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 narrative or that picture in, in the referee's mind. Even if you don't think they're necessarily going to have as good an impact, the referee may see something different or, or believe that they are having a greater impact to the scrum. And, and so, yeah. you just bring them on early. And I think that's a great point you raised, Charlie. Like about what what's the downside there? Um, you know, as you say, if there's an injury, you can just you can just bring back on. Um, sorry, if it's a change, you can just bring back on a player. And if it's an injury, potentially that's even better because it then goes to uncontested scrums. And you know that was only going to affect one side, um, even with us losing a, a, a player, um, and, and that was Bath. So yeah. just sorry, just just as, as we're on the scrums, like uh, I did. I did feel a little bit for uh, Schumann, Walker and Judge who were getting bullied also because while, while obviously uh, these, 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 uh, these props, like they, they, they could, you have some world-class scrummagers out there who, who will keep up a scrum no matter what, for example, you know, but I, I do think that we, we were, we were like the rest of the pack is, was like more lightweight than you potentially might have. Like we didn't have, uh, we, we, we're thin in the second rows, and those are some of the heaviest guys on the pitch as well. Like, and, we, and when we're then losing Bayless, got Ethan Stadden coming on, who was who was really impressive, by the way. But you know, even he's he's a like he's what eighteen, nineteen, still like he's not pr- properly filled out yet. Like, 
like I would love to have seen the pack weights on, on, on the day, like in comparison, I reckon they would have had like a good, like 30, 40 kilos even on us. Oh, I reckon more. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, like you look at some of the second rows that they've got, like that Retonio Aro is a big lad, then Nick Asikwe at six. Yeah, yeah, probably more actually. You're right. I mean, I would love to have seen it, but like, like, yeah, ribbons and Retonio Aro and like, yeah, Nick Asikwe. Tomwood's a big guy as well. Tomwood, Lewis Ludlam's a huge boy. Like, yeah, yeah. like if you think about it, yeah, that's so. And, and it's so difficult, right? So, like, <laughs> I felt for Jean Schumann when uh, the first scrum of the second half, he literally got pushed back. His foot kind of stuck in the, his feet were kind of stuck in the turf, and he got actually put onto the seat of his pants, um, and then the whole of the scrum went over the top, which I can't have been very pleasant. He like folded in half completely. He gets up, shakes himself <laughs> off. Oh, he gets up, shakes himself off, and, and Ian Tempest says, "We well, need to change your behaviour there." And it's like, well, <laughs> there's only a certain amount, you know, there's only a certain kind of degree that he can actually change what he's doing there. Um, so it was absolutely the right time to, to take him off. I think that. The last thing I mentioned was um, you mentioned Ethan Stadden, and I think having watched the game back, I hadn't quite appreciated how good a game he had and, and what an impact he made when he when he came on. Um, the line out was 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 kind of all over the shop to be honest in that first period. We lost two of our own lineouts in the first four minutes, so it didn't really set the tone uh, particularly well. And you know, by contrary, their kind of lineout drive was was kind of really effective. Um, and as you say, it's really difficult. We're without our first choice, second rows, without a lineup caller. But when he came on, he was kind of the preferred option in that lineup. I think he took four or five um, balls at the, at the tail of the lineup, and it, it started to kind of function. I think much more, much more effectively as we went on. But I do think in that first half, and it, it's something we've mentioned before, the, the Jack Walker throw um, again compared to Tom Dunn, it's just so much more loopy, and it feels like there's like much less fizz. And if you're defending that, you just have to try and get someone up in and around where the jumpers are. And it would just look very, very easy to, to kind of turn over. Um, and that was kind of, um, you know, another huge issue, I think. You know, we're losing scrums, we're losing lineouts, we're, we're losing, um, you know, first up hits. It's a, it's a pretty... Recipe of a disaster, yeah. Yeah. I think with all that being said I think we were almost lucky to be just 19-3 down it felt like um, it, it felt like it could have been more and it almost felt like it was more it felt like we were completely out of sight and I think that's why the, the Mercer try Charlie just on the stroke of half time after what felt like 10 minutes of battering down pick and go pick and go and not being able to get over the line Northampton Saints' um, goal line defence had been so well tested and so well proven against Exeter the week four and, and Bath unable to do so for so long. But when Mercer did crash over to make it 19-10, that felt like a, a huge moment just to give us a bit of confidence and just to kind of remain in touch. Enormous, like enormous. Like we, you, you said it a couple of weeks ago that those, those are the championship minutes, like just before halftime and just in the last few minutes after, uh, just the last few minutes of the game, you know, and... Yeah, that that was a, such a huge moment because it just completely it, it gave us yeah the confidence and it, it, it was a, it was a lifeline. It was a lifeline to keep us in the game, and yeah, we we took it, and that was what was so impressive. Um, and obviously, exactly. yeah. sorry, Charlie, I keep cutting you off, but but with no, that no. conversion, Tom uh, Reese Priestland took himself to to twenty nine consecutive kicks and, and broke a sixteen year record. I think in that moment. Mercer and Priestland, two outstanding players on the day, had some of their brightest moments. A word on, on Priestland breaking that record. Yeah, I think, wasn't that his, that was his 28th, wasn't that, I think? Because um, he had the penalty um, kind of like pretty much bang in front, um, which, which would have, I think, equaled the record. Um, and then he kind of self, very selflessly chose to, um, to, to kind of kick into the corner rather than just take that um, you know, rather than just take that kick, and he drilled it kind of right into the um, in, into the into the corner, and then obviously, as you said, we battered the door down. And I think you know when you look at nineteen ten psychologically, when you you know when you're, you're having your halftime oranges oranges versus nineteen three, it just makes the messaging from Stuart Hooper and Neil Hatley and, and Josh Bayless etc. It makes it so much easier because you can just say right, you know, we're nine points behind the next score is is kind of really crucial. And if we can get the next score, then we're within striking distance, be it a penalty or a, um, or a five or seven pointer. So 
um, as you say, it just changed the shift in in momentum. Um, and I think, you know, they would have just felt like they were much, much closer um, and, and it was kind of a much more um, kind of, you know, even game. Mm. I do think that was the, the 29th, but you've watched a band more recently than me. So so maybe it was the 28th. Well, either way, you broke it about 10 minutes later. Yeah, so, so a fa- fantastic from, from Reese. I mean, ridiculously accurate kicker because it's not like... Chris Patterson, who used to kick goals for Scotland only in the 22 and in between the 15s, he takes them from everywhere. We're kicking, we're kicking to points more than kicking to touch, like more than a lot of teams in the Premiership. And Reese is banging them from absolutely everywhere. Incredible. And, and if you look at the final score, 22-23, it, it's kind of obvious to say, but if he misses one of those kicks, one of those conversions, like Francis misses one of their conversions, it's a completely different result. So to have that almost like um, almost 100% kicking for for goal makes such a difference to to a team. And and we've spoken about how he perhaps doesn't light up the back line. But unless, I think I said this last week, unless Tian Schumann can light it up, it'd be very difficult to go away from Reese in in, in the form that he has been on. Um, Moving to... Go on. No, sorry, just on that. I mean, like, uh, when I saw the team, I I was a bit disheartened because... Like for a lot of people that I'm sure we're about to mention, uh, I I I was really surprised to see Tian Schumann at 15. Like the guy's not even had a had a stint. At, he's like he's he's barely played a minute at 10, and he's like he's played what three games now. And uh, like I, I find it odd that he was being deployed at 15, especially with like Rory McConaughey on the bench. And they were talking about it in in the commentary, like Ugo talking about him him and Mike Brown's like relationship and how you need a relationship in the back three and like covering that field position and communication is key. And, and he was talking about, oh, you can see, you know, Robert Gooney talking to him, telling him where he should be, where he shouldn't be. And I, I just, I just found it bizarre that we had, we had like an England international sat on the bench, albeit he's coming back from injury. But I, I did think that was a really odd selection and also, yeah. I mean that 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 was an odd one for me, and I, I do hope that he does get a run of games at ten because it, it went, when him and Priestland were, were sort of working in tandem as sort of first and second receiver in that first half, there were a few moments where you know, it, it looked it, 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 this looked like like a, like a really good idea, and perhaps that was the game plan. And the fact that we were just being completely bullied, uh, we sort of had to had to you know move away from that. But um, it's almost I'm surprised like that, worn, sorry, Charlie. No, I was, I was just—I was, just, was slightly surprised that he wasn't starting at ten to try and get the backline going, and it, it's sort of understandable that you then have Reese playing at fifteen, where he has played at fifteen before. There's more of that sort of relationship communi- communication that that is key for, for for back three players, and he's also on the pitch to slot every kick that, that comes his way. It is almost like they're trying to shoehorn Schumann in, isn't it? Like, okay, well, we've got an injury at 15. This is a good opportunity to get Schumann into into the team and see if he can create. But I agree, if they are going to play them both, then playing Reese at 15 may be the the wiser option. Um, Roy McConaughey, you mentioned there, Charlie, came on in the second half, along with those three front row guys, as we mentioned, Tom. How big of an impact did the bench, those guys, and then Stadden, as you mentioned, and Spencer, how big of an impact did, did, did they have on that turnaround in the second half? Yeah, I mentioned the, you know, the front row guys, and it was, uh, we were both saying, gee, watching the game, um, you know, it was, uh, it was exactly, you know, it had to happen then. Uh, it was a yellow cards coming, it probably would have been a penalty try, yellow cards. Um, it, it, it was about to get pretty ugly at, at scrum time. Um, so, great call, I think, from, from Hooper and, um, ultimately, you know, we still were, were going backwards in the scrum overall and, and there were still a couple more kind of penalties to, to, to follow. But um, yeah, I kind of ball popped out of, of that scrum right on the, the, the line that was so crucial um, and um, kind of a combination of a Saints guy off his feet, but Ethan Stadden right there over the ball um, to, to affect that turnover. Um, and yeah, kind of a, a massive kind of moment there, I think, just to kind of galvanise um, the, the the players a little bit. And then you say that the Roy McConaughey almost kind of the missing piece in attack. I actually think that we we looked quite promising in a lot of instances with with Schumann coming into the line at fifteen. Um, kind of the the peroxide twins, um, you know, quite <laughs> difficult to, quite difficult to to kind of tell apart. Um, but I think it just it just 
it just I don't know much about um, attacking play, so or in the backs, but I think it just kind of brought a different point of attack, and so yeah, we're not. We're not sorry. <laughs> like Gervin Dempsey, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, what was I saying? They are difficult to celebrate. I mean, I was I was struggling. The um, yeah, I think it just brought a different point of attack, and it just meant that you know, when Preston's not always taking it statically and trying to find a pass, you can kind of give it to to Schumann coming into line, or even Matabesi, who I thought had a had a good game with with ball in hand. Um, and then Roy McConaughey coming on and kind of being the final piece in that puzzle. Um, getting the ball out wide and I think what was his first touch and absolutely electric pace um, kind of reminding us what he can do 40, 40 yards um, down into the 22 and then again stretching um, Northampton the other way working it through the hands really nicely and then Zach Mercer with a beautiful little miss pass and suddenly our other sevens prospect Will Muir is kind of galloping down the, the <laughs> line <laughs> so um, yeah I think like the, the bench just brought an extra bit of energy, um, but to be honest, just an extra bit of quality that we were severely lacking in that first half. Yeah, I mean exactly that. Like uh, at half time, I think I messaged you you both saying you got to get done on and you got to get Spencer on, uh, especially um, because uh, well, I, I mean I think Tom, you do need to have a little nibble of humble pie uh, when discussing the nine jersey because I've really I really like wasn't very impressed mm. with the service that Chudley was giving. And uh, you, you were talking about how, how he, he sort of needs to step up his service. But I thought so many of the passes were like, in front of the man, behind the man. It was a bit static, which didn't help us in that first half when we, we were trying to get over the game line. Um, uh, but when yeah, Spencer came on, I thought there was definitely uh, the, the service just did go up a notch and, it's something like I've, I've mentioned a few weeks ago, which is why I'm sort of torn between saying that the selection was was really a bit of an issue, I thought, as well. Uh, it's certainly how I felt in the first half. But then having the ability to bring those guys on was huge. And Bath haven't really had that, which has been a struggle, I, I think, for us this season, is is being able to bring guys on who can actually change the game. It's all, It always seems to have been like a bit of a step down. So... Uh, in a way, it seemed like a sort of unintended uh, positive, I suppose, an unintended advantage. Perhaps, maybe I'm sure all the Stuart Hooper intended it uh, to have these guys in in reserve to bring on and actually make an impact to the game. But yeah, I mean, I, they, they they really could just they did make all the difference. I mean, having guys you could just you just put the ball in their hands and and they'll be able to do something. Just at that little factor, like like you say, McConaughey comes on immediately. He makes a fantastic break, and it just I think just it, it, it seems to raise everyone's spirits uh, in there. And you sort of you, you're watching the game, you're thinking, God, I can uh, I is it is if I was out there, we could actually win this or whatever. Um, still we, <laughs> still we. Look, but he still went with we as if he was they, involved there. Now we go with we on this podcast, and we're we're pretty shameless in that. Tom, though, right to reply on the on the Ben Spencer Will Chudley um, debate. I think you might have pictured your uh, you might have stuck to the wrong guy, but maybe you still believe that Will Chudley is is kind of the best scrum half in England. I'm, I'm not. No, sure. I think you guys have, um, have have massively misinterpreted what I've said. <laughs> I was actually. Charlie's actually um, kind of proved me right in what I was saying last week. Um, and, and just to repeat myself then, <laughs> I, I am fully aware that Ben Spencer is the best scrum half in the squad. He's probably, you know, he's up there with one of the top players in the, in the squad and, and indeed the Premiership. I just think that last week and, and kind of week prior as well, he was looking a little bit tired. Um, and I think that exactly as you said, Charlie, um, shifting him to the bench and just maybe reigniting that fire that I think he's lost in the last few weeks from England selection and from so much 80 minutes after 80 minutes. I think um, that was probably one of the reasons why he came on and offered such like energy and kind of electricity in, in, in what he did. Um, I think a really good point, like particularly as a scrum half, when you're coming off the bench, you're almost like best placed to like bring a bit more energy and a bit more pace to the game. Um, and, and, and that's exactly what he did. That said, I think, you know, I think you're potentially being a bit harsh to, harsh to Will Chudley. I think he, 
Um, you know, his service at times can be can be found wanting, but then Ben Youngs has got 100, 120 caps, so uh, it's clearly not a prerequisite to to playing scrum half at the top level. Um, he, had a, he had a few good moments. He he kicked to compete pretty well, um, and he also kind of fielded um, a few balls that had come through into the backfield when Schumann was struggling positionally. So um, I think actually the Chudley start and Spencer coming off the bench. Um, uh, worked perfectly for Bath. So what are you doing? Kind of a little peek ahead to uh, the game at the rec on Saturday against Exeter Chiefs. What's your selection there then? Then then coach Tom? Well, my selection would be the same as it would have been probably for most games of the last season. And that will be Spencer starting and Max Green on the bench. And I've I've said that repeatedly. Completely gone away from your boy. He's not my he's not my boy. I think <laughs> one minute he's gonna start, next minute you're bombing him out of the squad, man. Oh no, it's because he's Chudley will be picked for England, I, I assume is is what you've got in mind, Tom. Um yeah, I mean uh, potentially if if it was services uh, is anything to go I think no, I think look, I think you boys are a little bit down on Chudley. I think particularly you G. I think you're you guys can be potentially a bit short well, you G again <laughs> potentially a bit short sighted forget when he was kind of um, uh, a steady hand on the tiller and captain on um, the season that he that he joined and, and did a decent job. And you were on record on this podcast <laughs> saying that a few times. So, um, but no, I, you know, we thought that Spence would miss out with an HIA and he, he, he was cleared to play. So it kind of leaves us still in the dark about whether Max Green is, is actually available to play with there being no Bath United. And again, he's just a guy that I'd love to... I'd love to see come back because I think he'd really add the energy that 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 this team this team is benefiting from. Mm. Spencer at the heart of, of kind of what proved to be the match winning try, Charlie. And I know you've wanted to see moves off line outs from Gervin Dempsey. Does a pass from the number eight to the scrum half and a chip over the top count as a set move? I, I don't know. I think it might. I don't know. It, maybe it does. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is. <laughs> Maybe it is. Yeah. Well, look, uh, Gervin Dempsey, uh, I'll be sending you your new contract in the post. Uh, expecting it shortly. I'll be sending it second bar. So uh, hopefully it gets there before you leave at the end of the season. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, um, a, a, a great move. And kind of, it, we've seen that a couple of times with Spencer. I think most um, most memorably in, in the sale away game post lockdown when he chipped through. And on that occasion, it was JJ who who picked it up to score the, the the bonus point try on that day. But yeah, Matabasi to come through and then great play from from Mercer to be trailing and, and then to step off his left and go under the posts, kind of avoiding all of those defenders that were always going to naturally overchase. So he stepped back against the grain. Fantastic, um, fantastic try by 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 Zach Mercer, Tom. <clears throat> yeah, brilliant. It was um you know, something that we actually we mentioned on on last week's podcast. You know, can we get the ball in behind them, uh, behind that that back line, and and find grass and potentially guys like Naravolo very good going forwards, but aren't necessarily thinking about what's behind them and and what's kind of side to side um, as as well. So yeah, brilliant move, um, just fantastic kick from from Spencer. And I think you know Matavesi, who who was under a lot of pressure picking that ball up, bounce kind of his way. Um, and then gave a gave a great little offload to um, to, to to Mercer. And I, I just want to maybe pick out Matabese a little bit because I think I think he had his best game in in quite. I think he was a he was a genuine threat with ball in hand. There were a couple of instances when you know there was a little forward pass in the first half and he was straight through. There was another um, when he kind of bounced um, one of the one of the Saints guys and was straight through as well. But there was kind of a a, a knock on that had, had had been picked up. Previously, so I think he was he was a threat ball in hand. Um, he looked a bit groggy when he went off for an HIA. So kind of hope he's kind of he's he, he's recovered okay. Yeah, he was great, and and I think actually our our, our defence from this moment on was was just fantastic. I think I wrote down that that try was on the on the 68th minute, or at least the conversion went over on the 68th minute, and then to not concede uh, in those last 12 minutes. Particularly with the number of the amount of ball they had in in our in our twenty two in our half uh, to not concede under that much pressure with the game on the line was was fantastic and a kind of a few moments spring to mind the the Spencer tackle 
on Naira Voro, uh, who busted two defenders and uh, 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 looked all, for all money, like he was like he was going to score. Spencer again, uh, holding up Proctor as I mentioned at the start of the podcast with his boot. It looked like incredible, and then the Lewis Ludlam drop was huge. Like we've got away with one there because because it looked for all money like he'd scored, uh, and and clearly just knocked it on. So three. Well- Will Muir just come here? He seemed to, he seemed to just dislodge mm. the ball as he was going over. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I think it was Will Muir who dislodged it rather than him dropping it, which is great. Yeah, three instances there where I can't remember if they were all after the Mercer try, but but all certainly in the second half where they came so close to to scoring, but uh, whether more by luck or just by incredible heart, particularly from from my boy Ben Spencer. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was it was fantastic and, and oh, really expensive effort. Please. Can we now? We, 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 we've waited long enough. Yeah. Can we please talk about the man, the King Tom Don, uh, and how phenomenal he was when he came I out. thought, aren't we doing a separate podcast just covering that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah hit subscribe right. to your feed and the, the hour-long Tom Dunn uh, podcast will be straight yeah. there. But no, I think my favourite moment of, of the season, maybe of the last 10 seasons, was uh, in, in, on like with like five minutes to go when they have a penalty they have a penalty one point down with five minutes to go and Tom Dunn is going go for the scrum go for the scrum go for the scrum and they go for the scrum and he's like straight there like clapping like come on boys (laughs) after he's kind of bade them into taking that scrum yeah oh Um, then to win the penalty oh yeah oh my god win the penalty off that so good that that is when, had I been in the stadium, I, I might have accidentally sprayed some beer over <laughs> surrounding me uh, as I cheer, jumping up from the stands because that was a huge moment. And just seeing the passion in the mm. man, like, oh. Oh, yeah, the passion is just is is just infectious. I love it. His, his head was like a gash, and his head was like falling off. <laughs> his, ear, his ear was round his cheek. I swear to God. <laughs> Yeah, huge moment, Tom. You, as I mentioned, you said that you you'd marry him if you could. Was that the moment that really uh, finalised your attraction to him? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it's not a formal proposal when he's um, half his face is hanging off. Maybe, but um, <laughs> I can I can honestly hardly articulate um, how how great that moment was. Which I appreciate. It's not great on a audio in your room, but amazing. Like blood splattered, splattered shirt as you say like bleeding from ear from from um, from cheek and from from head as well he's just taped up um and just calling them calling them in you talk about players that you would you would follow into battle and and leaders and he's every one of those things and you know for for Henry Thomas a guy who we have said has been way off the pace and has been struggling for Henry Thomas then to step up with clearly the, the blood pumping um, through his veins, not not out of his face like Tom Dunn, through his veins and to step up and to win the the, the penalty fair and square um, on the tight head side with the Saints guy um, going to ground. Um, massive moment. And that's the kind of moment that we need to bottle up and have ready to take out and use when the going gets tough. Because um, as you say, that was a, that's a crucial moment in, in our season. And who knows, um, you know, it, 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 it might turn our fortunes now. Mm, yeah, yeah. That, incredible. Yeah, that that moment just yeah epitomised Tom Dunn and and the 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 impact he had on that game. Just uh, yeah, to, 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 he was sort of influential in turning it around. But just to elaborate on on, on other moments that he had, he. He just looked so physical. I mean, in carrying the ball, oh. I mean, he he was influential in getting us over the gain line. And we talked about the first half when we were losing all the collisions. He was sticking his head in the spokes, at, like left, right, and centre. There, there was one moment. Um, I came on. He seemed to shrug off about two players who who like the who had him completely wrapped up, and he he just seemed to like bat them off to one side and just carried on with his powerful leg drive. I I, I, I honestly I was I was in awe of the man. It was an awe of the man. Well, I, I can say Eddie Jones was there and must have been feeling pretty down in the dumps after the the game the day before. So um, hopefully that um, that cheered him up, cheered him up, and he kind of already chalked um, Tom Dunn into the um, into the next England squad. 
Yeah, although because he deserves to be that well, but now the Six Nations isn't going to happen. No, Tom Dunn, we we kind of need him for this this title surge that, that we appear to be on three from three. Yeah, Tom Dunn, I think Roy McConaughey, friend of the podcast, maybe give this one a miss, Roy, because well, you know I don't want to say Tom Dunn's replaced you as our as our favourite Bath <laughs> member, but very difficult, very difficult to 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 pick back Tom Dunn. Yeah, that incredible performance, and you're right, Charlie, you're spot on that 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 moment. Just really was a microcosm of his of his whole performance, and he was so influential in, in turning that game around. Yeah, just a beast. And I think if you do go on on Twitter, first of all, follow us at Bars Rugby Plug, and secondly, uh, BT Sports Rugby account did put out that that two minute clip of them calling for the scrum after being baited into it by by Tom Dunn, and then us winning the penalty and clearing our lines. and And I must say, I've watched that lots of times over the past 24 hours is kind of you know I, I I kind of I've just been watching over and over again it was yeah a, a great moment and, and a great uh, victory which which was sealed pretty much by that penalty JJ nearly kicked it out too too early at the end oh my god my heart fell out my ass oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> honestly I thought I I thought there was there was I think there probably was I think there a was. second or two left on the clock. So do I. Yeah. Oh. I think, yeah. Um, yeah. A, a huge win and some huge performances from from guys like Zach Mercer, from from Reese Priestley, from from Tom Dunn, from Ethan Stadden. And one guy I, I, I want to point out just finally, boys, is Miles Reed. Uh, I think he's been a workhorse. It, it's almost a shame that Tom Dunn's been working so hard. Well, not a shame, but he's, he's kind of almost overshadowed Reed. I think in those, in that uh, sale game, Reed had 30 tackles. I think in the Gloucester game, he was right out there in terms of tackles. And again, he just seems to be absolutely everywhere. And without his partner in crime, Josh Bayless, uh, who, who went off early in this game, I thought he, he was great again and, and, and really is looking like a, 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 a relentless worker in that back row. I thought he was 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 fantastic. Anyone else, Tom, that you wanted to highlight? Well, I was going to say he hasn't got any Scottish heritage, has he? Hopefully. Yeah, but he might might have a kilt somewhere hanging around his house. That probably qualifies him. Yeah, that counts. Gregor Towns, <laughs> yeah, that'll do. For a Scotty dog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah. There was, yeah, I, go on, Joy. No, no, no. Sorry, I, I was going to say any any last points. We could probably look ahead to next week. I, I was going to say I can't. I one like I want to play devil's advocate for one minute. Um, and like you mentioned, some of the big moments there, like the the Will Muir, um held up, the Spencer last ditch tackle on Naravello, um, the Spencer held up, and then you know some of the moments from from Tom Dunn and and Stadden as well, like. To me, I don't want to get. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I feel like we could have very. I know we weren't, but we could have very easily been on the losing end of that game. And I think if you're Saints, you're probably disappointed that you know Ludlow Ludlam doesn't touch the ball over. We don't get one of those those tries. And my concern is a little bit that some of the things we've done so well um, in the back end of last season, you know, scrum, defence, line out, are now turning into weaknesses. And and these, you know. These are things that we're meant to be building up season on season. So it's a concern that that we're struggling in those areas. And I think that when you're relying on individual moments from some of those guys in the second half to um, uh, to, to kind of keep you in the game and or get you back in the game and keep you in the game, I think that is that is concerning. Um, and I know there's an element of, of us missing our, our international players and our second rows, but I do think there are still some fundamental issues there. Um, particularly um, in the defensive structure. Mm. Right. If yeah. you're talking about if you're talking about Saints fans being disappointed they didn't win it, how about kicking sticks with five minutes to go, one point down? In- incredible, like throw away from Saints. And you're right, Tom. But but I think I, I think that with where we've come from from when we lost so heavily to Bristol uh, and then lost to lost to Harlequins at home the the following week. Uh, and then in the build-up to that sale game, when it came out in the press that Stuke and JJ had broken the COVID rules and Stuke got done for drink driving, and, and the club looked in complete turmoil. And Stuart Hooper, 
I think, and I think we all agreed, was, was almost fighting for his job at that point. To turn it around over the, the past three weeks, to go to sale and win like we did, to, to beat Gloucester at home and then to, to win this game. I think huge credit to the players, huge credit to the coaches. And you're right, Tom, these haven't been flawless performances. And, and there, are, there are concerns around the set piece, I agree. But the, the strength of character from, from, from the guys in that squad... I think has been incredible over the past three weeks. And, and that isn't something we've really seen. And, and, and to get these three wins when we probably haven't played our greatest stuff and we are missing so many players in, in that front five, I think that's a remarkable effort. And I really think credit to, to Hooper and credit to that whole that whole coaching setup and, and kind of the, the, the culture, the C word that, that I don't really like to talk about, but the culture they've created has been proven to be one of one a strong one and kind of like one that's really stood up when when I think the club really needed it most. Yeah, you're exactly right, Gabe. Mm. Yeah. And the red coat. It's all about the red coat. I'm telling you, that red coat. We talked about you being the lucky charm, Charlie. That red coat. A, beautiful, and why can't we buy it on the club shop? And B, it's, it's the lucky charm that we need. So um, maybe he'll be wearing it again on Saturday, lads, as we look ahead to the extra Chiefs game at the rec. Three o'clock Saturday, no Six Nations this weekend. So this will be the focus point of, of all, Bath, uh, all Bath and England fans' attentions, I hope. Charlie, extra well, Bath, as we said, coming through kind of, on a three-game winning streak, Exeter on a two-game losing streak. Do the Chiefs look vulnerable to you? They certainly look beatable. Look, and I I think it's been proven by by a lot of the performances uh, of recent weeks. I mean, I was even looking back, like Worcester mm. were in the game to beat them and I, a few weeks ago. And obviously they've then lost uh, to Saints and now Sale. Um, and, I, and I think that Bath, Bath we've, we, we've got our hackles up, got, we've got momentum behind us, winning our sales, all the other cliches you want to pour in there. And uh, we, 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 we've got to have some belief about ourselves. I don't, I, I don't think we're going to be sitting here on this podcast like we were last time uh, we were playing Chiefs, thinking, uh, thinking that uh, we, uh, yeah, we'd, <laughs> we'd, we, we wouldn't mind the game being cancelled due to COVID and just taking a couple <laughs> of points out of the game. But uh, I think there, there has to be the belief. I think... Yeah, uh, uh, the the only potential worry is they're going to have some of their kind of key players back in Stuart Hogg because of the Six Nations, um, Johnny Gray and the likes. So uh, obviously we, we we could do with uh, we could do with them not being about. But I I think even with those guys we can we can put in a good performance and uh, hopefully there'll be a, a couple of extra personnel coming back in the ranks in the second row. Uh, Will Spencer, for example, I know he's there or thereabouts. So uh, hopefully, I, I, my, my man can <laughs> pull on that number four jersey. Charlie loves Will Spencer for sure. Tom Talopi Falatau may be back uh, in for Bath after his performance against England on on Saturday. How big a, a plus would that be? Yeah, massive. Um, he was he was fantastic in that game, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, you know, quite painfully from from an English perspective, but. Um, he seems to be kind of back to his his best, really. Um, been injury free for a little while now, and has been kind of getting back to that um, kind of explosive um, um, and kind of also kind of silky offloading game that that, that we know and love, and, and sadly haven't seen as much as as we'd like um, in in a Bath shirt. I think I'm. I think looking back at the last couple of results, I think it it's easy to read into that probably more than we probably should. I think. To a certain degree, it does come down to that that knife edge of, of results. Um, if you look at the the results for Exeter, uh, so against Northampton, that was that kind of twitch Joe Simmons kind of in the eighty odd minutes when when there was the the charge down um, and, and they would have lost if that conversion had gone over. And then even against Sale in the last game, again that was a they were ahead on seventy five minutes and then um, McGinty um, kind of sealed the win for them in that game. So. Um, you know, clearly our our kind of results have also been been very very tight, um, and you know, with some kind of international talent that you mentioned coming back, Charlie, and and you know, Exeter have, being a kind of team that we really struggle against um, in kind of recent fixtures. I think it is is going to be very very tough. I think if we try and stick to the kind of set piece pick and go um, arm wrestle sort of bullying tactics that. That we've tried um, over the last, you know, few months. I think it it could be 
um, you know, it could be a fairly long day at the office. Um, so again, I think we need to to kick really well, try and um, kind of find some grass, albeit that'll be hard with Stuart Hogg um, at the back. And also try and build, I think, on what we've shown, um, particularly, I think, in, in the game just gone, um, about trying to change the point of attack a little bit and trying to stretch teams wide in both directions. I don't think route one is the best route to take against Exeter. I think we need to try um, and get the ball on the outside and, and and try and kind of stretch them out wider with the, the threats that we, we're starting to show. Yeah, one one other point uh, where I think we can try and apply some pressure, hopefully, and this is why I'm really hoping the likes of Will Spencer will be back, is at the line-out. So Jack Yendall red-carded uh, at the weekend for Exeter. Luke and Dickey's away with England. They, they're getting onto their sort of third and fourth choice hookers. Uh, in I mean, on, on the bench the weekend was Jack Innard, who I, I'm not sure many of us have seen play much in the past. Uh, so if, if we can really put some pressure on a, on at the line out and uh, hopefully get dominance there, then you know that that, that could be a you know, key influential moment. We saw how it affected us in the first half against Saints, and yeah, that that would definitely be an area that uh, I'd be hoping to target, provided we have the personnel uh, and uh, the sort of the line out experts uh, in, in the second row. But um, that's that's another area. I do agree with you, Tom. We don't want to be trying to be extra at their own game. We need to be able to mix it up. Mm. Compete every line out. Like we've played extra, feels like quite a lot recently. And I always say this, like they're so potent from, from five, 10 metres out with, with pick and goes. And whilst they haven't been in recent weeks it feels like against Bath they probably will refine that form because our goal line defence is, is pretty poor so if they do get a, a line out in our 22 even on our 5 metre line I would still like us to compete every line out because it feels inevitable if they get the ball down they're going to score and you're right Tom I think in this fixture last season we won 13 points to 10 it feels like about 10 years ago that it was just just after the the, the Rugby World Cup but since then in three fixtures against Exeter We've lost 132 points to 29. So, yeah, recent form certainly isn't with us. And, and, and yeah, 40 points to three like last time out in round two. So, so we've crossed the halfway point of the season with playing teams we've already played. And, and that day, they, they just didn't give us a didn't give us a chance. Bullen's up for it. I know. Yeah, this is this is the moment it all changes, Gabriel. Come on. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, uh, yeah, who, who, who are we going to be? Who are we going to be to say it's not going to be four from four? Look, well, I'll, I'll never it now. Bath, Bath again. We carry on this run of form. Bath by a point. Bath by a point. I'm, Charlie, I'll I, I, I predict a Bath win as well. I, I think the key is not giving away silly penalties. You know, we've seen so so often it can be costly when you give penalties away in and around the halfway line, and they can kick to the corners then, and just giving away sloppy things like that. So be tight on offsides. Be tight at the breakdown. Don't compete very much. Just let them have it in those areas be disciplined and and wait for some Roy McConaughey, Ben Spencer, and dare I say it, Tom Dunn, magic. Yeah, Bath by 10, I'd say. Tom? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also going to go for Bath win. Like I say, I think, um, I think we've, we've, we've got the wind in ourselves, as you say, Charlie. Um, ex- you know, ex- there's never a better time to, to kind of take Exeter after they've, they've struggled maybe the last, the last couple of games. Um, um, sorry, we, we, we've said, sorry to interrupt you, but I mean, yeah, we, we, we've said uh, how many times over the past few weeks that uh, oh, we've, we've come up against the wrong team at the wrong time, like Harlequins, uh, yeah, Harlequins, uh, Sale, whatever it was, uh, like Bristol after just having I mean, beaten Exeter as well. Like, yeah. it, it seems that, that we were up against it and we were always in the wrong place at the wrong time. And now it feels like we're in the right place at the right time. So I really, really want to make the most of this. Yeah, and you, and, and you look ahead and it's, it, the next fixtures are Newcastle, um, Worcester, London Irish, Leicester, and then an out-of-form, well, currently out-of-form Wasp. So, like, you know, it's kind of relatively bright horizon. If you can get through this extra game, suddenly you can start to, 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 to really build a, a run of form and, um, and catapult ourselves back up into that, into that top four where we belong. They're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I think I'm going to go. I'll go. Bar, I'm going to bath by. I'll go with you, Charlie. I'm going to go. I'm going to go bath by one in another thriller. It sounds like you want to say bath by 0.2, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if only there were half points or something. 
Yeah. Fantastic, boys. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I really enjoyed that game on Sunday and I've thoroughly enjoyed this podcast. Uh, sometimes they're a little bit difficult, um, but every week you guys make me feel better. And amazingly, even after the high of oh, yesterday, man. you've made me feel even even better and even brighter about fast prospects. And Tom telling me that, that we'll be in the top four in five weeks kind of is a nice way to, to end my Monday. And Charlie, I think you're definitely going to have to you know, just pace yourself and calm yourself down before the game on Saturday. You look like you're you're up for it to, to play now and I think maybe that's a reflection on the fact that me and you haven't played any rugby in what feels like about 10 years so I think we would probably um, be up for playing in this one if Stuart Hooper did, um, did give us the call but uh, yeah thanks for joining me again boys thank you very much for listening hit subscribe Tom I've, I've almost gone an hour without telling people we're on Spotify so uh, we're on Spotify so check us out there spread the word share with your friends Follow us across socials at Bath Rugby Plug and stick behind the boys through thick and thin.